Well, good morning. I'm excited because today we're going to be starting a, a new sermon series entitled Faithful. You know, faithfulness and faith is obviously something we talk a lot about in the church. It's something that's discussed a lot in the scriptures. We hear about God's faithfulness to us, for example. We, we hear about God, Christ's faithfulness to us and, and how it's given to us through our faith in him, what he's done on the cross for us. We're also told that we as followers of Christ are to be faithful. Now, what does it mean to be faithful? Does it mean to be full of faith? Does it mean to be loyal? Does it mean to stick in beside somebody no matter what? Yes, it's all those things. But for purposes of the sermon series, we're talking about faithfulness as a sense of stewardship. God entrusts certain things to us, and we're called to be faithful with the things that he's given us. So, for example, we'll be looking at how we are to be faithful in our use of time, how we can be faithful in our use of our talents and abilities, how we can be faithful in our use of our treasure, and how we can be faithful in our use of our testimony. Uh, A great parable about faithfulness and being a good steward is found in Matthew 25, where Jesus tells the parable of, of, of a wealthy king, had lots of land and resources, and he goes away on a long trip, and he leaves behind three servants in charge, and he gives them each different levels of responsibility. And, and, the, and, the, and the master comes back, and with two of the servants who are found faithful, remember what he says to them? Well done, good and faithful servant. Come and share uh, your master's happiness. You know, wouldn't it be great? Don't we all want to hear those words at the end of our time, whatever, whenever that might be? Well done, Good and faithful servants, come and share your master's joy. Well, that's what we'll be talking about in these coming weeks. So before we start with today's topic, let's bow in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. We're grateful um, that you love us and you want a relationship with us, that you speak to us through your word, through your spirit. And so, Father, we, we come to you now confidently and open with open hands and heart and mind, asking you to speak your truth to us today. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts together be pleasing to you, our Lord, Rock, Redeemer, and Friend. Amen. Let's begin with a a game, a game of let's pretend. Let's pretend that uh, Friday afternoon you got a phone call from your local banker. And your banker said, "Um, I've got great news. Um, There's an anonymous donor who knows you well and loves you very much, very fond of you, and they want to bless you. And so um, starting Monday morning... Each and every day, there'll be 86,400 pennies put into your bank account. And you can, there are no stipulations on the money. You can use it however you want, on anything you want. But there's one, only one stipulation. The stipulation is this. You have to spend it all every day. If you don't, whatever you don't use is gone. That's the only stipulation. It's forfeited if you don't spend it. So let's stop the game of let's pretend. Now let's play the game of let's get serious. Okay, none of us is going to have that call or have that call. Right. But in a sense, we do have the same scenario because every day there is somebody who loves you very much, who knows you very, very well, who wants to bless you. And every day that somebody deposits into your life, into your bank of time, eighty six thousand four hundred seconds, which, of course, is fourteen hundred and forty minutes, which, of course, equals twenty four hours each and every day. And the same, same stipulation applies. Because God gives us this amount of time for us to use each and every day, and nothing is ever carried over to the next. We can't say, you know, 
this is kind of a laid back day. I only need 21 hours today. Tomorrow I need, I need 27. So I kind of carry the three over. It doesn't work that way, does it? We wish it would. It would be nice if it would, but it doesn't work that way. There's no such thing as a 25 or six or seven hour day. From today's dawn until tomorrow's dawn, we each have precisely the same amount of time. And it seems like there's never enough time, is, right? To get the things done we want to do, to, to be with the people we want to be, to experience the things we want to experience. We're always trying to buy time, to, to make time, to save time. Students need more time to finish that final paper. Parents need more time with their kids. Athletes and musicians and actors, they need more time to develop their skill or their craft. Pastors, we need more time to finish our sermons. Dying people wish they had more time to say things they would like to say or to do things they wish they would have done. We are consumed with time. It's something we all experience. We all have the same amount of time in each day. We always wish we had more. We see this obsession with time in, in, our, in our culture. Uh, in, in cinema, for example, all sorts of movies come about time travel and, and Back to the Future and Groundhog Day and Time Cops. And there's also powerful movies about the sensitive nature of, of a life cut short in time. Books like The One Minute Manager or Habits of the Effective Manager or How to Make the Most of Your Time, all bestsellers because we're all looking for that, that kind of secret formula to squeeze out and make more time. In music, like, for example, the classic ballad Cats in the Cradle speaks of a father-son relationship where they, they just don't make time for each other and they realize time is running out. A few years ago, 100 Years by Five for Fighting talks about the, the brevity of time, 15 for a moment, boom, and all of a sudden you're 70. And, of course, the classic by Jim Croce, If I Could Keep Time on a Bottle, a very ironic song because by the time it was climbing the charts, he was dead. His time had run out. We all need more time, quality time, quiet time, downtime, family time, my time. It's the most precious of all commodities we're given. But it's non-renewable. It can't be hoarded. It cannot be bought or saved. And each of us have a limited supply of it. And we don't know when it's going to run out. So how are we to be faithful in our use of this most precious commodity time, how can we honor God with our lives and with our time? There's a lot in the Bible about time. You read through the Proverbs, lots of wisdom there. The Psalms as well. One of my favorite verses was read by Patty, Psalm 90, verse 12. Teach us the number of days aright, O God, so I can gain a heart of wisdom. I kind of have that in my mental Rolodex. I pull that up once in a while. But for purposes of today, we're going to be focusing on Ephesians 5, the verses that were just read. And this isn't going to cover everything, but we're hopefully can find some things here that will help us to use our time and be faithful in our time. First, verse 15. This is a translation by J.B. Phillips. It says, live not as those who do not know the meaning of life, but as those who do. In other words, Paul says, in light of the truth, in light of what you know, invest your life wisely, intentionally. You know, from time to time, we need to be reminded of the brevity of time because time just seems to slip away. I remember my dad telling me when I was younger, each decade gets faster. I found that to be true. Sort of like this woman who uh, discovered this and began to live her life differently. 
As an older woman, she wrote her, a letter to her friend. She writes, Dear Bertha, I'm reading more and dusting less. Admiring my garden more and fussing less about weeds. I'm spending more time with loved ones and less time working. Since life's meant to be enjoyed, not endured, I'm no longer postponing the things that add joy and laughter. I'm using my best china to celebrate special events like the first crocus in my garden or losing a pound. I wear my new jacket to the supermarket and I'm not saving my expensive perfume. I wear it for store clerks and bank tellers. Someday no longer figures in my vocabulary. If it's worth doing, I must do it now. Now, how different would your life be? Would you live your life and use your time if you knew when it was going to end? If you knew you had a week or a month, how would you use your time? Would it be any different? Would you say, I need to sleep more? You know, um, I, um, I need to just find a way to kind of fritter some time away, just kind of sit and watch the sun. We just decide, you know, I haven't caught up on my, my Netflix show. I'm going to binge watch for a while. No, I mean, we would spend more time with loved ones. We would try to mend fences with people that we'd hurt or who'd hurt us. We'd pursue opportunities that we'd always talked about doing. You know, every morning we should remind ourselves that every minute and every breath that we have is a gift from God, never to be available to us again. Next, the Apostle Paul tells us in verse 16, in the New Living Translation, Live not as fools, but as wise. Make the most of every opportunity by doing good in these evil days. In other words, don't the world around you shape how you use your time. You know, uh, when Jesus walked this earth, he used his time so very well. We can learn so much by studying his life in the Gospels. And one of the things that he did is he invested three years in people. He walked around earth and did life with them. He taught them. He, he laughed with them. He cried with them. He scolded them at times. He, he encouraged them. He, he spent life with people. And he called the people who followed him disciples. And a disciple is simply somebody who's a learner of somebody else, who's being mentored by somebody else. And it's also somebody who practices spiritual disciplines. Proverbs 10:17 says this, for whoever practices discipline is on the way to life. 1 Timothy 4:7 says, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. You know as as followers of Christ, as disciples of Christ, we are we are called to develop holy and good habits in our lives. We, you know, we all have a mix of habits, good habits, bad habits, we all have a little bit of both, right? I try to establish certain good habits. I try to stay in shape and exercise and get enough sleep and drink enough water. But I also have bad habits that kind of counteract that. Uh, If you ask the staff or you ask my family, I love to eat and I snack a lot. And it's not always good for me. Potato chips, ice cream and pop. Those are my go to snacks. Not good for me. First Timothy four, seven, again, a different translation says, spend your time and energy in the exercise of keeping spiritually fit. And just like we are certain things when we try to get in shape physically that have to kind of go, we have to eliminate from our lives. So, too, there are things that we want to be spiritually fit, spiritually growing and healthy. There are certain things that we need to probably eliminate. You, you know what those things might be. It might be different for you than for me, but it might be that go to bed a little bit earlier. Maybe you don't need to watch that last show so you can get up in the morning and spend some time with God. Or perhaps to let go of some some TV programs or some habits that that keep you from spending your time with the ones you love or spending time with God or serving God or getting to know him better. 
Whatever it might be, there, there are certain things that need to be let go of and other things that need to be included and be intentional about if we want to become spiritually fit and use our time well. Hebrews 12.1 says, Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily hinders our progress. There's a, there's a great story in, in Luke 10 where Jesus stops by to see Mary and Martha. Remember them? They're sisters. Their brother Lazarus uh, was the one that Jesus raised from the dead in John 11. And Jesus stopped by to see them, and they're excited, obviously. They're great friends, and it's Jesus after all. And Martha gets excited, and she's the hostess with the mostest. Remember the story? And she is busy around the house getting the meal ready and, and the house ready, and everything just perfect. But she neglects to spend time with Jesus. And Jesus says, you've forgotten what's most important. Keep first things first. You know, ask yourself this. If all the things that you're involved in in your life, a lot of them can be very good things. What are the things you're doing that are going to last for eternity? The only things that are going to last for eternity are the things that we do for God, that we do to show his love to other people. Paul says, be careful how you live your life, how you use your time. Be wise. But how do we know what wise use of our time is? There's going to be disagreement about that in some circles. Take a look at verse 17. Paul writes, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. In other words, Paul says, know God's will and do it. Spend your life seeking that out and doing it. And how do we understand God's will? By asking God for wisdom. James 1.5 says, if you need wisdom, if you want to know what God wants you to do, Ask him, and he will gladly tell you. He will not resent your asking. You know, it's amazing how often we, and I myself included, can just waste time. We would never think of just burning money, but we burn time all the time. John Boykin once wrote, Time is life, nothing more, nothing less. The way you spend your hours and your days is the way you spend your life. And if that's so, and I think that it is, It's crucial that we determine what the Lord wants us to do day to day. And we determine that through prayer, through study of his word, through fellowship with other believers, through wise counsel. And we determine it by being filled with God's spirit. Verse 18 says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, instead be filled with the spirit. Now, this is not a, a statement about the morality of drinking or not. It's about what is going to control you and what is going to fill you and what is going to direct your life. The things of this world or God's spirit. You see, God wants us to surrender ourselves to him. He wants us to be fully devoted disciples. Romans 6.13 says, give yourself completely to God since you've been given a new life. Romans 12 says, offer your bodies as living sacrifices to God. God does not want 10%. He doesn't want 50%. He wants 100% of our lives. And since life is made up of the time and the hours and the seconds that we have, he wants the use of our time. You know, we often think of, of life like a pie. You kind of organize and get it all charted out. And, okay, here's a slice for work. Here's a slice for my family. Here's a slice for investments. Here's a slice for invest, um, hobbies. And here's a slice for God. But C.S. Lewis said this, Christianity of false is of no importance, and if true, of infinite importance. The only thing it cannot be is moderately important. 
In other words, if God's story is true, and it is, then God deserves our whole life, our entire life. What or who is number one in your life? Sports, TV, hobbies, career, family, wealth. All not bad things in and of themselves, but they should not and are not meant to be number one. They're not meant to control our calendar. In Luke 14, another parable Jesus tells us. It talks about why people make excuses for not putting God first, for not responding to him. And the story is there's a king, he makes this great banquet, he invites guests, he sends the, the servant out to invite the, the guests, and, and each guest has an excuse, and it has to do with time. One says, I just bought a field, I need to inspect it, I don't have time to come. Another says, well, I just bought five ox, five pair of ox, I need to work a field, I don't have time to come. Another says, I've just got married, I need to have some family obligations here, I can't come. Regardless of our circumstances in life, we can always find excuses, find reasons for not being about what God wants us to be about. Our use of time shows where our priorities lie. And in the Bible, there are two kinds of time. The Bible talks about chronos time, which is chronological, kind of unfolding of events, sequential time. But the Bible also talks about kairos time. And Kairos time means time that is specifically given by God for a specific opportunity. In other words, time with a purpose. And in truth, all of our time as Christians is Kairos time, right? Time which has been given to us by God to do his will and to do his work. And therefore, we have a great responsibility and privilege which to promote a great focus and urgency in the way that we use the days God has given us. Like the man named Buckwheat Donahue. I kid you not, that's a real name. (laughs) Buckwheat Donahue. A resident of Skagway, Alaska. He had a great urgency about his time on earth because starting in October of 2005, he walked 5,000 miles and paddled 2,000 miles across North America. The reason was he, he did a trip from Key West, Florida to Nome, Alaska to raise funds for building a, a medical clinic in his hometown of Skagway. You see, back in 2003, he had suffered congestive heart failure. He was not in town at the time. He was in a place where there was medical facilities available. Otherwise, he wouldn't have survived. And so he used this journey to raise money and awareness for heart disease, but also diabetes. He also suffered from that. When he was interviewed, he said he was influenced by a couple of things. One, he said... I'm influenced by the words of Jack London, the, you know, the, the adventurer writer, American writer, who wrote a lot about Alaska, who said, the proper function of a human being is to live, not to just exist. I shall not waste my days trying to prolong them. I shall use my time. And then Donahue said, that's what I want to do. I want to use my time. God has given me this time. I want to use it to help other people and to honor him. That's what God calls us to do. In a sense, we should have an urgency as well. We don't know how much time we'll have. God wants us to use our time wisely. He wants to use it, us to use it to, to do his will and to know his will. And we can do that faithfully and consistently as we walk in the power of his spirit. He's given us this most precious of commodities, time. And so we, may we be faithful as we use this great gift. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We're grateful 
that uh, you chose, Lord, to invest time in us. You've created us. You've called us. You sustain us. You're faithful to us. You sent your son to spend roughly 33 years or so with us. The last three, especially teaching and and encouraging and showing us the way and then dying on a cross, using his time to die for us and then to be risen from the dead. So, Father, may we be people who who really receive each day as a gift, a precious gift, and that we would use those days to honor you, to serve you, to love others, to enjoy the world you've placed us in. Help us to be found faithful, Lord. We ask this through your name. Amen.